After a week where Nick Kyrgios had dominated all the headlines, the Australian ended with the best one, as he was crowned the winner of the City Open in Washington. Welcome to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Great point. Oh, he's returned that from almost mid-court. And Kwiatkowski nets. So audacious from Nick Kyrgios. But that's what he's all about. He's broken through. And what a way to do it, Barry Cowan, just briefly. I think we've just seen the best shot of the year. I think we have just seen the best shot of the year. And Kyrgios's reaction, he's sort of standing up saying, come on, you've got to applaud that more. Second serve into the backhand corner of Kwiatkowski, who now hits a forehand. Kyrgios has got a forehand to win the match, but no, he doesn't do enough. Now he's got a backhand. Kwiatkowski has also got a backhand, which he nets. Game, set, a match. Kyrgios. Well, Simons is having to wait. It's a second match point for Kyrgios. I mean, tremendous pressure on both players here. Simon serves, backhand return. Forehand from Simon is netted! Well, that is tough on Simon, I have to say. He has to wait an awful long time for that. You could argue that he should have been awarded that tiebreak. This for the win. He's gone with a big delivery, but it's into the net. Shioka. In waiting for this, can he lay racket on ball with a return? He does, but it goes sharply to his forehand. He's then out of position. Kyrgios with the big forehand into the backhand wing. The lob defensively has gone up. It's gone long, and Kyrgios has won. He's done it again. His third win of the week, putting it together when he needs to. <laughs> a nice exchange, smiles between them, acknowledgement, the respect that they clearly have for one another's games. I'm not sure where Kyrgios's mind went for much of that second set, but he got it switched on enough in the end to uh, do the business. And uh, much of what we saw was breathtaking. Second serve from Gombosch at Love 15 to the backhand of Kyrgios. It's a good serve, but he took it early, and the forehand is big straight down the middle. Gombosch copes with it well, though. Now he pulls a lovely forehand across himself. Oh, back back forehand from Kyrgios somehow gets back into court. The backhand wasn't going in. Gombosch played it. Kyrgios scrambles it up, forehand from Gombosch in the net, oh, and Kyrgios rolls over on the court. Somehow he won that point. No idea how. Incredible. And it is two match points for Kyrgios after 57 minutes of pure entertainment. The kind only Kyrgios can produce. He serves out wide. There's the ace. He sprints to the back of the court. A little hug for a woman in the crowd. Back to the net to uh, shake the hand of Norbert Gombosch and Nick Kyrgios is through to the semi-finals of the City Opener. He's now talking to somebody in stand. He's asking the guy tonight, where shall I serve this one? Last night he asked a woman in the stand. She told him where he served an ace, won the match, and he went and gave her a hug. What's he going to do if he wins this one? 8-7, this for the final. Serves out wide, the return comes back. It's short, he hammers the forehand, winner away. Kyrgios is through to the final in Washington. Back he goes to that guy who gave him the signal. They shake hands and now he runs back full of joy. Tsitsipas applauds him at the net. Tough for the Greek to take that. Having had a match point himself, what an incredible match it has been. One that we will take a long time to forget. I doubt we ever will. It'll live so long in the memory. And Kyrgios now hits the ball into the stands. He's allowed to do that because he's won. He's into the final. But what a match it was.
an incredible encounter that took over two hours to decide, but it's gone to Nick Kyrgios in the end. 6-4, 3-6, 7-6. here from Kyrgios. Less pace, little slider out wide, then has to pick the ball up off his feet. He's at the net here, Kyrgios should put the volley away. Doesn't, Medvedev is there, but then what an audacious stretch backhand volley from the Australian, just out of this world. And it's two championship points for Nick Kyrgios. Well, who's he going to ask? Goes up to a young lady, puts a towel in front of his mouth. She tells him which way to go, then gives him thumbs up, then turns to her, her partner and probably tells him which way he's going to go. I hope Daniel Medvedev can't lip-read from the other side. Two championship points for Kyrgios. Bounces the ball a number of times. Gets his racket to sway backwards and forwards. Serves out wide, clean ace! And then he falls to the floor. Nick Kyrgios is the winner of the City Open in Washington. He then leaps up, roars to the corner of the crowd, shakes his opponent's hand, is gracious, as is Daniel Medvedev in defeat. And Nick Kyrgios is the champion. What an extraordinary week it has been for the Australian. And he is very much the deserving winner of this tournament. He is entertained from start to finish. And at the end of it all, he will lift the trophy. Gets the better of the third seed, Daniel Medvedev. 7-6, 7-6 in a quite unusual but thoroughly absorbing final as he hugs the lady in the crowd who told him which way to serve. And again, the crowd got it right. <laughs> Crazy, bonkers, enthralling. It's been an incredible week, a week like no other at the City Open in Washington. And it ended, of course, with Nick Kyrgios claiming the title, deservedly so. Barry Cowan is alongside myself, Pete Hodges, today. What did you make of it all? Story of the week, hasn't he? Kyrgios, right from the word go in, in that first victory under the lights against the American qualifier, Kwiatkowski, and then just working his way through the tournament. Of course, there have been difficult moments. Of course, there have been times when Kyrgios has let off steam, has maybe maybe done something that we don't always necessarily agree with, but he's had the whole crowd on the edge of their seats. There have been some incredible moments. I think, for me, the ones that really stick out that spring to mind was the Sabre against Kwiatkowski. The last three matches, asking a fan in the crowd, where should I serve on match, po on match point? And then ultimately it was championship point. Three out of three for the crowd. I mean, coaches are not going to be in a job anymore, Pete. <laughs> I mean, also, are players going to be in a job anymore? Because are they going to be demanding more entertainment? We want more from the other players because, you know, he brings so much more to the sport. Yeah, um, but what's good is it's not, not every player is going to be playing like Kyrgios. You, you, you're going to have your players like Medvedev in the final. Medvedev plays a certain way, has a certain personality. But for Kyrgios, he was the conductor throughout the week. He was the conductor in that final as well. And, and I felt at times Medvedev was a little overawed by playing Kyrgios, which is so strange to think. When you look at Medvedev's CV in the last year, he's in the top eight in terms of the race. He was the, the third seed. Kyrgios kind of came under the radar, but where... He has frustrated me at times, Kyrgios. But I've always defended him that he's great for tennis. Mm. And I've always defended him, he's honest. And I like people who are honest. Mm -hmm. And when Kyrgios has, has said throughout this week, 
all I want to do is commit and and fight and play every point. And he's done that for most of the time. And look what's happened. Something has something has clicked for Kyrgios since the Jordan Thompson match at Wimbledon, which was the first round which he won. Played amazing against Nadal at Wimbledon. That for me was was one of the best matches of the year because it just had absolutely everything. And and he's just gone from strength to strength this week. He's won bigger titles, hasn't he, Pete? Mm. But as he admitted, this was the week of my life because I think by doing the hard work and then getting results straight away, it's confirmation that actually that's what happens. And this was the week as well where we saw him win a title where perhaps he won matches where we were expecting him to fall. You know, there, there were players that he was playing against who are, are seen as grinders, and seen as consistent, seen as not that flamboyant. And these are usually players that he struggles with. Particularly Gilles Simon on an outside court, and yet dealt Nishioka with it. as well. Nishioka as well, and, and you know, he, he had his wobbles. And I mean, at the end of everything as well, in the final, the second set that we saw, he was measured. He had, okay, a couple of words with the chair umpire a couple of times, but I mean, he kept everything together. And then the celebration at the end as well showed everyone just how much he cared and how much he loved that winning feeling. And, and, and I think everyone in the tennis world is just hoping that winning feeling sort of stays with him and he can remind himself of that winning feeling and, and then think, well, what did I do right this week? And, you know, he even talked about warming down yeah. before, after that match against Tsitsipas and, and doing things differently and, and trying to, to get himself focused for each match and, and getting himself into a better mindset and all these things that he was saying. And as you say, Barry, I am in complete agreement with you. I always like people with honesty. I, I, I think if they, you have faults, fair enough. But if you're honest, for me, that's a really high attribute that I hold very high. And he is someone who's honest. And when he was saying these things earlier on in the week, I believed him. And not only that, he's then shown that he was trying to put all those things into place. And so it could be a huge turning point in his career. We've said it before, and then it's not worked out. But it, it, it certainly feels like a big step in the right direction. I think it's very important that we don't expect this to happen week in, week out. There will be moments when Kiros, at times, doesn't play to his best tennis. But as long as it's not six months apart. If it's a month apart, you know, for Kyrgios, it's better to have one amazing week and four bad weeks than, than, than for Kyrgios to turn himself into a player that has five average week because what he has brought to the event, sell-out crowd. I mean, they, they Mark Iron, the, the entrepreneur and new tournament owner, he must just be saying thank you very much. And Kyrgios said he's going to be back for life. He's just lost his bargaining tool. <laughs> Agents probably at home said, no, can't believe you said that. There's <laughs> Mark Irons rubbing his hands. But, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, what a week. Let, let's just go through some of the things that have happened. We had Shoegate times four. That was the Sitsipas shoelace thing that happened. Bottlegate, which was Nick Kyrgios throwing a bottle, a bottle of water against the, the umpire's chair and then saying it slipped out of his hands. We did have the public hot dogs, which was just incredible. Some of them good, some of them not so good. Michael Jordan forehands, all sorts of Michael Jordan things going on with Nick Kyrgios. He is a massive fan of him, but like, you know, getting that jump with the legs apart. Underarm fake serves, slow paced overarm serves, again, all to do with Kyrgios. TFO, two early celebrations, that extraordinary point we had against Daniel Medvedev. American dismay, again, no Americans through the quarterfinals. Something else we barely have talked about because of Nick Kyrgios. Lucky loser sensations, of course, the run of Peter Kyovchik and Norbert Gombosch who were able to get through the, the quarters in the semi-final as well. And then those high-fiving interactions and the, those match points where he goes to the fan and talks about it. We had a squirrel on court as well. I mean, it, it's kind of been 
like we're in another sort of element, another sort of planet this week. It's, it's kind of felt like this has been tennis mixed with drama entertainment, and I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a magic week. I mean, at the start of the tournament, the 16th seed was Tiafo. He was ranked 41 in the world. This is as strong as a draw as I've seen in, in a while. I think there's the will to develop the tournament and make it even better. And it just sets off, doesn't it? The start of the US Open Series. You've got Montreal, you've got Cincinnati to build up to the final major of the year. And yeah, plenty of stories. And I never thought I'd ever see Kirill Stretch on the court. <laughs> To top he's, it all up. He's getting too serious in his old age. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, the, the player he beat in the final, Daniel Medvedev, third seed. Of course, top ten player. Now he's talked about dealing with the pressures of being a top ten player. I think we both said during commentary we were slightly disappointed with what we saw from him. Perhaps giving was a little bit too respectful of Kyrgios and, and, and almost scared of Kyrgios playing his scattergun tennis and kept himself inward. Is this a step back in his career? How much can we read into this? As in, is it a suggestion that he's not quite ready to take that next big step? Yeah, I would like to go more to the, the latter as opposed to step back because the, the year is so many, so many positives for, for Medvedev. But when he lost to Lajevic in the semi-finals of Monte Carlo when he was up 5-1 and, and the occasion got the better of him and I think the win got the better of him, you, you watch a match like that and you think he's just not quite ready. And when you watch a match today, I think, again, he's just not quite ready. But it's, it's in the bigger picture, it has been a spectacular 2019. But let's look at it, the facts in that first set. Kyros was struggling with a back injury. Kyros was not playing at the same level that he played in the uh, semi-final yesterday against um, Tsitsipas. He was up 4-1 in the break, in the break at double break. I thought he was a little slow to make the adjustments in terms of the return, and he lost his chance. Because then Kyrgios, after he had the treatment at the end of the first set, Kyrgios played a lot better in the second set. He was more dynamic, and, and, and Kyrgios had a, a, real, a real spring in his step. And those are the moments that the very great players will, will grab hold of. Yeah, a, a, a Djokovic or a Nadal or a Federer would have won that first set given the condition that Kyrgios was. But again, it's a learning curve. And what you don't want to do is walk away from this tournament. That's why it's so important. It's, it's what you tell yourself. And I'm sure it's the same thing of what Federer told himself after he lost that Wimbledon final. It's, yes, you're disappointed, but look at, look at it as a positive because Medvedev is right in there with the mix. And it's the, the year that he's got to come, he's got so much to play for. Another player who grabbed a lot of the headlines this week, I mentioned Shoegate times four, Stefano Tsitsipas, and what an epic encounter that was. One of the wildest, craziest matches that he had against Nick Kyrgios. How will he react, though, to what's happened this week? Probably hope he doesn't play Kyrgios. For Tsitsipas, it's a journey. I think when I look at the year, I think the Australian Open was amazing and, and the way he dealt with that match against Federer. But then there's a target on his back, there's expectation. There, there's periods in the year where things don't go your way. I think he openly, uh, openly admitted he wasn't quite ready after Australia when he hit the European indoor season in February. He had a great clay court season. I think, I think the two tough losses were at the French and Wimbledon for, ver for different reasons. The one at the French because he gave his all. I mean, it was an amazing quality match. Five sets against and five hours against Vavrinka. Wimbledon was strange. Mm. I thought that was a the surprising loss. 
But again, these these define the great characters, and he is a he is a great character, and he's going to ultimately become a great player and win win majors. So again, he's not at his best. He's a couple of levels lower than what we saw him in Madrid when he made the final, also in Australia. But next week, and that's the beauty of the sport. Next week, and Montreal, and if it doesn't happen in Montreal, Cincinnati the following week after that. But you talked about the positives that Medvedev will look back on. Will Sitsipas look back and think, well, I didn't play my best tennis, and I was one point away from reaching the fi final of a 500 series mm. event. And that's what you've got to do. I mean, look at the story of Kyrgios. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to always try and take the positives. I mean, it's not, it's not kidding yourself blind. You know, you're not saying everything, the garden's rosy and I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. There are obviously areas, and he will look at, apart from trying to make sure that he gets proper laces for his shoes, <laughs> he, there will be areas of, of his game that he will want to improve. But isn't that also exciting when you talk about Pass, who is six in the world? I think he's going up to five. And you're looking at his tennis and you go, I think there are at least four things in his game. The serve can improve. I think the return can improve. His net game will continue to improve. His ability to be able to flatten it, flatten it out on quicker courts will all, will all improve. How good could he be when that when he gets that sorted? He's also 20. Yeah. And, and con concentration levels. We have seen dips throughout the year in matches, and that was the same this week. He was able to win the bigger points most of the time. And, uh, and that, for me, is the thing that's going to improve as well. We've seen it kind of goes up and down, then he gets annoyed with himself, comes through it. It's so exciting times for, for our sport right now, mm. as in with, with these young guys coming through. And you mentioned there he's going to turn his attention to the Rogers Cup in Montreal. That's where we're turning our attention to. We've got live coverage of the Canadian Masters, 5th to the 11th of August. And it should be a really intriguing Masters event. Talking of that event, Jill Kravis has been talking to the tournament director. Well, I'm here in the lower player lounge and I'm pleased to be joined by Eugene LaPierre, tournament director here at the Montreal event. Eugene, thank you so much for joining us on ATP Tennis Radio. My pleasure. First of all, just give me a little bit of a background. This is what year for you as tournament director? How many years? Uh, it's the 19th, so I go with the years. 2001 was the first one, so, uh, uh, so 2019, 19 years, yeah. I was with the uh, Tennis Canada for a little while, um, a few years, before that but yeah it was uh, it's, it's nice we alternate each year one one year it's a man one year it's a woman so um, half of that half of those 19 years are the men's year <laughs> mm -hmm. and then um, just as tournament director for so long now for 19 years um, just give us a little bit of background of what you felt you learned from previous tournament directors and then when you stepped into the role what you felt like you brought to this event well, it's it's interesting when I travel around and I say, well, all tournament directors are the same. We're trying to <laughs> steal from others and and get the the best ideas. But sometimes, uh, and I feel that we have also to um, create our own stuff really with with the tournament here. Uh, try to get what's specific about Montreal and and put it up put it up front and 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 it's tough also to compete with what you see for like in Shanghai or in Indian Wells or in Madrid where I don't, it seems sometimes money doesn't be doesn't seem to be an object and uh, in, in, in this in, in this situation being a national tennis association uh, non-for-profit trying to put as bring back as much money for the development of the game as possible so it's tough to uh, 
to compete. Some, we feel it's tough to compete with the, with the other big events in the world. So, so uh, I think we compensate here in Montreal, and that's what we've been trying to do over the years uh, with the conviviality of, of of the tournament, making sure that the players are feel very much at ease when they come uh, to Montreal. We know already that the people, uh, the Quebecers, the Canadians in general, the Quebecers, Montrealers, uh, they love tennis. They love the athletes. And uh, and they will respect them. And, uh, and 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 I hear that all the time when the guys say, "Oh, I even Roger Federer." Said, oh, I went to this restaurant with my family. I said, "Did you? Did you just ate there with like nobody bothered you or anything?" He said, "No, no, that was that's fine." So uh, I think that's one element that that players like about it. And of course, what we were very proud of is that we like people come and watch. Tennis. The stands are full from from start to finish. Even 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 Friday before the tournament starts, we open the gates and get let the fans come and enjoy practice day. And when the players come in and just practice, there's no matches. And then yesterday, at, at first day of qualifying, we had 15,000 uh, plus. I think we finished at 17,000 on, on site. It's probably going to be the same thing today. So the, the Montrealers love uh, the event. And um, and I think the, the players feel that very much when they come to Montreal. Well, that's that, that's something that's always impressed me from the many years that I've I've come here is the big crowds right from the beginning, like you mentioned. What what is it about? Um, and it's all the Canadian events, in my opinion. But what is it about? What what special things do you guys do to bring all those fans in? Because I know you have a ton of activities around the grounds. Like, what what is it about that uniqueness of Montreal that you bring to this event? I don't know. As I say, it's been a, it's been going on for like 40 years uh, altogether. We started the event in Montreal um, in 1980. That's when we started alternating between Toronto uh, and and Montreal. It, it was uh, almost uh, organic growth, if I if I may say. And it was like slowly at the start. It was like like nothing but tennis was not one of the major sports and um, we sort of uh, worked our way around to become one of the main events in Montreal all year long it's it's not only it's not a tennis tournament only it's an event and people come and watch and they have when tennis comes in Montreal it it's it's tennis in Montreal, nothing else. It's like when F1 comes in Montreal. It's it's like the jazz festival, or the Just for Laugh. We have a few like cultural or sports uh, major events, and and tennis has become one of them. So there, I, I think it's a genuine interest in 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 seeing the top players. For a number of years, uh, I was saying, well, I think we're fortunate in tennis that we don't need our own local stars. To to get a great success, the the fans are just they just and and enjoy seeing the top players in the world, the Agassi Sampras and and then William Sisters and Sharapova and, and and everybody. And I was looking at other stuff. If the Montreal Canadiens don't win for two months, I mean people start being no, nah, no, I'm not gonna go see, watch them. If the football don't win or they, they, so we're very homers in other sports. And I was like, I was. I was always feeling lucky. Well, okay, we don't need our own stars. People uh, like tennis. Maybe this is going to change a little bit now, and we'll see how it goes. But we're happy, and that and and I think the people understand what we're doing. I think the fans understand that they're not only coming to see a great show; they're helping the development of the sport. They understand that this tournament means putting money back into the sport for kids. 
and uh, and now with the success that we've had over the years, uh, it's it's serving. It's uh, we see we see the results from Canadians, and we hope it's going to continue. Yeah, I mean we see that all the time. You guys are doing such a great job in investing back into the sport, and um, I, I know that you you do have a lot of stars here. The main draw, in my opinion, every single match is is great. The, those first rounds. Um, let's focus a little bit on your Canadian stars because I know. Um, Dennis did a workshop yesterday. We, you mentioned some of the activities that the that these players do. Um, just talk about the impact that when these players get involved with these activities, how that impacts the kids um, for the sport and how they can get more involved. Well, certainly, and, not to, and at the same time, it's a mix. We we, we love to have them and, and, and interact with the, with the, with the crowds and. and Especially with the kids, like Dennis did yesterday with a small clinic with uh, uh, and the kids from the neighborhood around here, uh, and it was great. But at the same time, they have a they have a tournament to play. They're professionals. So we, it's a it's a balance we have to we have to do between between both. And and to tell you frankly, I'm telling my my team, go go easy on them. Try to make make sure that when they step on court for their match, they can concentrate and, and win. And and. Um, these guys, and especially Felix, who's who's around here, from is French-speaking from Montreal, which is on its own. It's like he's become so big just here. So we have said to everyone, okay, yes, let him do a little bit of stuff, but I hope that when he steps on court, he can clear his head and forget and just and just play play his best because that's what is going going to serve our sport the best. Uh, in in Canada, and we're very happy to see all those Canadian players do so good on the tour. And, and just talk about the Canadians in general: Raonic, Dennis, Felix, and then you have uh, some wild cards as well: Braden Schnurr, Peter Polanski, Vashek is back and, and healthy playing again. Um, just talk about uh, how you see the draw for them and other matches that um, you're excited about. Well, the draw has turned out to be a very big story here. Uh, because, well, because first of all, two of the Canadians play each other. Felix playing Vasek. They have they have played just recently in the, in the they draw they drawn each other uh, first round in in, in Wimbledon, and, uh, and and Vasek was just returning from being injured and uh, for a long period of time, and and Felix had the best of him in four sets. So it just tells you that well, a few <laughs> a month later or so. It's going to be quite a battle um, that that these guys will have. Uh, I think they're going to play on Tuesday, and then so and and now the winner plays the winner of between Puy and um, and Milos. Milos benefited from uh, Anderson's withdrawal, became the seed in its in its place. So um, so in, instead of playing Taylor Fritz, now suddenly he moves up and 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 plays uh, uh, Luca Puy. Uh, which I, I don't know. It's a tough match in its own. Uh, Luca Pui sometimes is a, a, a surprise. What he's going to be bringing on court? So uh, I, I think Milos has beaten him in the past, but the most recent match is he's lost. So all these conversations are taking place everywhere. That's what people are talking about, and uh, and uh, they're not talking about Nadal or or Roger not coming or this or that. They're coming. Oh, what's going to happen with the, the Canadian players? And then uh, Dennis is uh, playing. Oh, Pierre uh, Pierre Hugues Herbert. Okay, so what kind of game will Dennis bring this time? He's had up 
ups and downs. He went to the semifinal in Miami, but otherwise his uh, start of the year for him was was average. So okay, but he was pretty much born two years ago professionally in here in Montreal when he. Uh, started beat uh, Del Potro, then beat Nadal, then made his way to the semi-final uh, against Zverev two years ago. That's when the Planet Tennis discovered him. So uh, it, it's a it's a big story in its own for him to come back here on 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 the turf of his uh, first success. And uh, if you mention some of the other guys, Polanski, he's been the guy that was out there for. He's now a veteran guy, player, tr still trying to enter the top 100, and he's going to play Gael Monfils. Wow, I, I want to sit down for that match and see. And a and, and newcomer, Braden Schnur, uh, drew a qualifier. Everybody thinks, oh, he's got a qualifier. That's great. No, it's not so great. The guy's been winning two matches already. He's used to the surface. He's used to all the conditions and everything. So it's going to be a tough match for, for Braden. So everybody's talking about that. And uh, I, I, I wrote a note to the, our uh, board, um, uh, uh, the Board of Tennis Canada for just tell them generally how things were going and I was telling them all these things about uh, about the draw and I finished saying oh yeah by the way uh, Rafael Nadal is also playing the event <laughs> <laughs> so it's just the the mood in the tournament that's pretty much what it is now and ha have you talked to um, Dennis about being back here after his huge run here a couple years ago or talked to Felix about how he's feeling about playing his first time here at home? I did speak to Dennis even back then in um, in uh, Indian Wells. I, c I crossed paths with him and it was there and I said, oh, uh, by the way, Dennis, uh, it'll be nice uh, seeing you back in, in Montreal this year. And um, uh, how, how do you feel about playing Monday night, maybe, if, 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 if it works out with the draw and your opponent and everything? You talked about that all the way back in Indian Wells. I did that. <laughs> yes, we wanted to start <laughs> okay. schedule. Uh, one thing we could, should some, someday change in tennis is, is tr trying to get the first few days planned. If we could make the draw long, longer than two days before, it would be great because we're only, only sport, uh, only entertainment in the world that people buy tickets not knowing what they're going to be watching. So anyway, just saying that, that's a parenthesis. But uh, yeah, so I did talk to him. I had it in mind maybe to play uh, to play Dennis on, on Monday opening night. I thought the crowd would love it. Uh, and he, he was telling me already uh, then how excited he was at the thought of coming back in, in Montreal because he had so much success. He remembers the crowd, how how he was supported here and everything. So, so um, at the same time, it, probably puts a bit of pressure on him to come back and everybody will have expectation and so on but hey that's the name of the game same with Felix actually two years ago he was still young he was like 16 years old and but we wanted to get his first taste of the tournament but he was hurt at that time so he could not play the tournament so it's really the first time that Montreal Montrealers and Quebecers Canadians will see him uh, well, he played last year in Toronto, but now here in Montreal will be the first time in his hometown that people actually see him. So, um, again, we're talking about pressure. Eh? We know what it is when uh, when you come uh, home and with all the expectation and everything. So, uh, th these kids, uh, I love them. They have good heads, <laughs> and, and and you talk to them, it they know exactly what's what's going on. It doesn't make it easier. Um, but uh, we we hope that it can that that type of pressure 
can bring the best stuff uh, out of them. And I haven't, I haven't talked about Milos, but... Uh, I was getting there, yeah. yeah okay. What about Milos? Okay. <laughs> well, I wanted, I wanted to ask if you got a feeling if Felix was feeling any nerves about playing at home for the first time, or if he feels, you got a sense if he's pretty comfortable. I did not talk to him, uh, but I've read a few things that he's been um, um, telling the media and everything, and he understands it. He, he, he sees it. Um, he, he feels it in the way that his life has changed, that he cannot walk on the street naturally anymore and um, uh, anywhere in the world, basically, but imagine in Montreal. So so he feels it, and uh, but I think he understands it and he's mature enough to even for at his young age uh, to understand the process. And it's just part of the game, but when he steps on court, uh, he needs to focus on hitting that forehand uh, hundred miles an hour in the corner. So um, uh, hopefully he's able to do that. And 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 after a few games, uh, that's what part of the um, of sto the story around getting those matches uh, planned ahead of time is is also a little bit with that. We know that players like enter doubles. Uh, when they come into a, especially when they change surface, so they've played on grass, and for a lot of players, it'll be the first tournament on, on hard court. So a lot of them will enter in the in the, in the doubles. So uh, so yes, and yeah, and we haven't talked about Milos. Uh, Milos had the best result for a Canadian ever. Uh, I I shouldn't say ever. There's a guy who won the Canadian Open Championship in the 50s, Robert Bedard, and uh, no no Canadian ever won. But Milos got to the final here back in 2013, and um, and um, he. he, he he, he beat in the semi-final Vashek Pospisil. So we did have good results uh, in, in the past here here in Montreal. And, and uh, uh, Milos uh, remembered this very clearly. So he's he's had good success here. I think that he likes the courts. Uh, the, the, I've talked to the players yesterday. The bounce is high. Some like it. Some don't like it as much. I know Milos will. I think Milos will like it. I think his serve will be a big weapon uh, here, and I hope he does. He does uh, very good. But now with the the way the draw turned out, if he does succeed, he's successful in his first match. Then for sure we have a Canadian in the third round. <laughs> that would be very exciting, just in, in itself. Do you feel like Milos has felt a little bit more pressure with these youngsters that are coming up and doing well? I mean, I know they, they get along very well and they inspire each other. Have you felt that from any of them? Certainly. It's it's natural. It's just an, uh, something that you cannot... It has to happen. I mean, he's going to see these kids coming uh, coming out behind them. Um, he's, he's beaten Felix, I think, in, uh, in Indian Wells last year. Uh, this year, last last year, so he's he's feeling them as, same as even Dennis, go seeing Felix now, uh, moving up the ranking and everything. Is they're good buddies, but of, of course it's it's human. <laughs> I mean, you see, you you may have a lot of fun and being good good friends and everything, but when you step on court, it's uh, well serious business. You're not going to beat me, and uh, <clears throat> so it's uh, it's I think it's uh, healthy for the for the sport, and it's very healthy for sport in Canada because now we have guys that can battle at the higher ranks, and uh, it's good. Everybody, I was just in a. A gathering next uh, next door here uh, with um, 
uh, the petits astes, little aces, as we call them, kids, uh, eight, nine, ten, that trains all over the uh, Quebec province here. And we had Joe Wilfred Songa coming to talk to them, and they're very in in inspired. Like they, they look at this event and they look at our Canadians and they look, wow, see Dennis, see Felix, see Milos Vasek, and they're inspired because they're guys from here. So we can do that. If they can, we can. And it's a very simple uh, principle, but it works. <laughs> We're all really looking forward to it. I just want to touch one more on the event as a whole. Um, as tournament director, you've done such a great job of growing this event every year. I know there's been talk of a roof, which you might be tired of talking about now, <laughs> but um, is it just touch on that a little bit. Yeah. And also, besides the roof, what other um, improvements you have for the future? Yes. Yeah, well, the roof would be the, the, the major one. We're, in a, uh, we're located in, in, a, in a park here, and we have this complex uh, that is, uh, we have 12 outdoor courts and, and uh, 16 indoor courts. And, um, and it's a open to the public. It's a public facility. Uh, and when, when I, I like to say sometimes that the, to, to the people that don't understand exactly what we're doing, they think, okay, we're doing this big show. They compare with the F1 or the Montreal Canadiens. I say, no, no, no. In our case, the event is the engine for development of the game in, 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 in Canada. So my real job starts on the Monday after the tournament when we start de developing, putting the, the benefits of the tournament back to use in, in, in programs for the kids, in schools, and with the National Tennis Center training the kids um, uh, uh, and, and everything. So, so in, in that regard, this facility lives every year. So we have to... So what we're doing is that we're using basically the the courts and everything of the facility to welcome uh, everybody. So what type of improvement I can do? Maybe extend the building a little bit. Uh, it's tough because we're in a park. Uh, it's going to be difficult to uh, to extend uh, very much, but using the space better. So there's a little bit of uh, um, uh, capital investment that we can do within this facility to make it even better for the players and for the fans uh, as well. So that part, we have, a, we have a program on which we, we're working for the next few years. But as you mentioned, the main one would be getting a roof. It's probably early to talk about uh, on major events in the world being able to guarantee play. But I'm pretty sure it is. That's the vision that we have. That it is the direction that tennis is is taking now. Now that the four Grand Slams, uh, each will have a roof. There's a number of of, of uh, uh, Masters event at well, Madrid, of course, and, and and Shanghai and other tournaments in the world. The image of tennis is so much in demand across the planet. Uh, Everyone, everyone wants to watch tennis. It's growing, and uh, we're in, tennis is in competition with other major sports. Um, with <clears throat> I mentioned F1, with golf, with uh, basketball, with soccer, and, and everything. We're trying to compete for viewership and interest of the fans uh, towards our sport. We have to be able to deliver the product, and and and. Uh, it's a trend. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite sure it's a trend. It's not an obligation at this time. No, the, the ATP Tour, WTA Tour don't tell us you have to have a roof. Far from that. Uh, but 
it's it's gonna grow it has to grow it has co to come there if we want our sport uh, to be competing with everything else and I know it's the 40th anniversary and yes a ceremony tomorrow night is that correct yes uh, uh, yes we'll have a ceremony on court it's so, sort of a soft celebration we've been doing <laughs> a few things and uh, it's on we're very proud of of this uh, the, the this fact that we started in Montreal in 1980 mind you the tournament is as was born a long time ago the 1881 the first uh, Canadian Open uh, it makes it the third oldest event uh, in, in the world after Wimbledon and the US Open but it is it was never held in Montreal in 1980 um, we got a sponsor that wanted to have an event in Montreal so that's when we uh, uh, created this this uh, um, this way of doing one one event in Montreal on, on the men's side and then next next year in the, on the men's side in Toronto and, and alternate between uh, men and women each year i was talking to <laughs> the first director of the tournament uh, john beddington he was explaining to me how difficult that was to pass that one on onto the tours but we're very happy it happened because i'm pretty sure it's part of the success of the of the event both in montreal and in toronto because you get the the men's one year and say wow it's been two years so everybody's very excited about seeing them the women come the next year oh we haven't I always two, found it exciting two years <laughs> two years we haven't seen a woman so it's good it's so it's a it's always something to uh, expect uh, every uh, every other year so yes 1980 was the first one and uh, it's been it's been uh, 40 years and we're going to celebrate uh, with a number of, of things activities but one of them will be the uh, um, on-court uh, presentation. We'll have uh, uh, Rafael Nadal coming to say a few words. It, uh, twice a winner here in Montreal. And Amélie Moresmo as well will come down and on-court and say a few words to the crowd. And uh, also twice a winner here in, in Montreal. So uh, I'm... The, the, the crowd will love it so much. Can't can't wait to that moment. Well, I wish that I wish everyone could see the smile on your face too. Looking forward to this week and looking forward to tomorrow night. But um, Eugene, thank you so much for joining us in ATP Tennis Radio. I know you have a meeting in a couple of minutes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. But I appreciate the time that you've taken. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Thank you so much, uh, Jill. Thanks. So that was Jill Kravis with Eugene Lapierre, the tournament director for the Coupe Rogers or the Rogers Cup or the Montreal Masters. I find it it's the tournament with the most names, this one. But uh, there's or, also a or lot the, of... Or the sixth Masters of the year. Or the Canadian Masters, <laughs> or the sixth Masters of the year. There's a lot of names you can call the tournament, but there's also a lot of big names in the event itself. Some tasty first round matches coming up. What are your picks, Barry? Well, I think definitely the ones that really stick out for me. Kyrgios, what's he gonna do next week? Because it's hard to win a tournament. It's even harder to back it up the following week. So Kyrgios, Kyle Edmund, but the one that really does stick out, Vavrinka, Dimitrov. And, and they just have a knack, those two, of playing each other. They played, what's it, Wimbledon and the US Open last year in the first round. Vavrinka winning on both occasions for the right to play Hachanov. And, and I think what we've got next week in Montreal, when I look at the top eight seeds, there's the one guy who really sticks out, Nadal. Everyone else, I would say every from two to eight and also from nine to 16, I think has got a strong case to make the final. Actually wouldn't surprise me. You could even make a strong case that a couple of non-seeded players might be in the last four. This is a, a week with it being some of the guys first tournament on hard. So teams been playing in Europe. Nadal hasn't played. Of course, Federer and Djokovic, they're not playing in Montreal. Opportunity knocks for a lot of players. Yeah, certainly does. And you mentioned 
the top seed, Nadal, second seed, St. Dominic team, who won in Austria this week, just gone in Kitzbühel. So maybe he will get an even more of an upward surge after that victory. Yes, but it will be hard because team has shown this year that he is a player that has improved a lot on a hard court winning Indian Wells, but Indian Wells conditions are more favorable to team. Slow court, but very high bouncing with because it's been in the desert. Montreal, it's quick. So he is vulnerable early on because what team's weakness on, on a hard court is returns. So potentially the likes of Shapovalov, you've got Chilich or Berrettini, you've got Isner, you've got Medvedev, you've got Kyrgios, all those players lurking in his quarter of the draw. And not only that, he's got to switch from clay to hard and switch from Europe to America. So lots to deal with for Dominic Team. We'll be fascinated to see how he gets on. We're very interesting as well to see how Diego Schwartzman gets on as well. The winner in Los Cabos. He takes on Marco Cecchinato in the first round. We could also have Daniel Medvedev facing Nick Kyrgios in round two as well. Wouldn't that be magical like it was in the final of Washington? So that's just about it from us here at the ATP Tennis Radio podcast from Barry Cowan, myself, Pete Hodges. So much to look forward to. Just a reminder, our coverage gets underway of the Rogers Cup at 11.30 a.m. local time. Play gets underway at midday. Make sure you stay with us throughout the week. It should be a cracker, but it's goodbye from us. If you like this podcast, Please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. review.